now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Three ah! are United States Astro Robots. They come a creature of death. Oh. And they. We have come here to this planet for. One purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. And welcome to Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B Movie Podcast. From class to the cults and the cheese in between, the movies are B, but the entertainment is grade A. And I'm your host, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. And this time, I'm joined by my brother, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. Hey, Jay, how's it going? So, uh, you know, we cover some oddball films on this show every now and again, and this this might be one of the oddest. Uh, set your sights back not only to 1969, but turn that scope and point south of the border. Because we are we are doing a film starring you know, one of my brother's favorites, El Santo, and it's The Treasure of Dracula, a.k.a. El Vampire y El Sexo. Yeah, and since we don't have a trailer for this, because there is no trailer for El Vampire, El Vampiro y El Sexo, we're just going to hop right into it. Okay, I know it's a little different, but this is the New Year's Eve episode, folks. You expect different. That's why you're here. Anyway, so, um, uh, um, like Luke said, uh, The Treasure of Dracula, a.k.a. Santo in The Treasure of Dracula, is the, is the 1968 release version, which runs uh, one hour and 21 minutes, which features no nudity. Um, it's designed for all ages. It's one of the, the regular El Santo movies. Um, most of you, if you are listening to this show, have heard me mention Samson vs. the Vampire Women, and which might be my favorite Samson, uh, El Santo movie of all time, just because it was on Misty. Um, you've heard me mention other uh, Mexican, like Lucha Libre, stars being in movies and stuff like that along the way, depending on if you heard me on Mantra Kid Radio or in, in different discussions with different people. Uh, I had never seen this movie, n- any version of it. And what happened was... Luke and I were uh, talking one day, and they said, hey, they're releasing, finally, uh, it was the un- unrated version of Treasure of Dracula. And I said, oh, cool, it's a Santo movie. It's been restored. I'm going to get this. And then I said to Luke, I said, we, we, I should get, we should do this movie. And he's like, yeah, neither one of us has seen it. I'm, okay, I shouldn't say that. I'm assuming you've never seen the Treasure of Dracula normally. Luke. No. Okay. No, I, I, had never, <clears throat> I had never seen this. I I want to say this was back in 
um, like the the mid two thousands when they discovered a, a a or maybe it was maybe it was the early twenty tens. Yes, two thousand eleven. Discovered the copy of this, and I I kind of remembered that story. Yep. That was saying, oh, lost El Santo film found and restored. And I thought, oh, that's cool, you know. But at the time, it wasn't on media, so I didn't really give it much thought. But I had never seen, or other than that story, ever heard of. I mean, El Santo made so many films that that oh, there, there's an El Santo movie you haven't heard of. Okay, I'm willing to accept that. Yeah, exactly. And what happened was, in back in 2011, they found this and they restored it. They did a 2K restoration. Now, it took them a few years to kind of get it all restored, and they eventually did. Well, they, they it was shown, I want to say, the El Rey Network showed it at some point. Um, but I don't know 100% how much was cut and not cut, because El Rey is not just straight up. I don't know. We don't have El Rey Network here. I've asked for it, but they never will give it to us. Um, thanks, thanks uh, Xfinity and Comcast. Uh, you know, they don't even give us the Knicks, Rangers, Nets, and what, you can't even watch our local teams anymore. Trust me, you want to hear Dad rant about something? I'm not oh, bringing yeah. that up. Oh, uh, yeah. I got, uh, I heard that the other day. Both of us have gotten it. I got it. He called me the other day to yell at me, and I said, Dad, I, it doesn't work. He goes, well, can't we get, like, the network, the, like, the NHL network? I go, yes, but the NHL network is based off of Xfinity, which we still won't get. They black us out. ESPN Plus blacks us out. Everything. It's a mess. Anyway, so long story short. Uh, is that I'd never even seen anything about this beyond that article Luke's talking about. Then this pops up as a movie we can get. I'm like, oh, let's get this. And it says it's the fully restored version. I'm all for a fully restored version. But the problem is, and this is the problem, since neither one of us have ever seen it, we didn't know if it was any good. We didn't know like what was it going to be. All we knew was it ran one hour and 26 minutes. It's five minutes longer. Now, for those of you who are unaware of this, um, there were several uh, movies made in Mexico, uh, even ones with El, El Santo. There were other ones besides that, which were actually shot in black and white with no nudity, designed as all ages films. And then they would film in color with full frontal nudity, sometimes gratuitously put in for no reason. Uh, and then those were exported to Europe. This one never made it for some reason, at least as far as we can tell in anything we've read and researched. So since this is this is probably not a movie that many of you have ever seen. Maybe you've seen the original, uh, the original Treasure of Dracula in black and white. But I don't think many people have seen this movie. I mean, I think it's a pretty fair assessment, right, Luke? Yeah, I, I, as far as I'm aware, the black and white version of the Treasure of Dracula is lost. So I, I am not aware of anywhere that you can find a copy mm. of it or if it's ever even been released outside of its initial theatrical run in uh, 1969. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's odd because I tend to think of the Santo movies, you know, most of them I think of are black and white. There are some of the later ones that are in color that yep. come, you know, into the sixties and seventies, but I tend to think of more of them as the black and white ones. The really, I mean, they were all cheap, but the really cheap ones, you know, Right, exactly. This certainly would have qualified for that if you take this movie and, and put it in black and white. It certainly would have fit in with that mm -hmm. that uh, motif. Yeah. So, uh, looking here, I guess I guess in 2012 they had released it in Mexico um, uh, by, under the name El Vampiro y El Sexo because they had found it in 2011, and cleaned it up so much. That must have been where they just, they originally had shown it. It, irregardless of that fact, ladies and gentlemen, what you're getting here. Is you're we're gonna you're gonna get a movie that if you ever if those of you who've seen it um, know that you literally have not seen something like this probably in a long time if you <laughs> I was right 
So your direct, your director is Ray Cardona. Um, not, not related to Matt Cardona, just throwing it yeah. out there. Um, so Ray Cardona, uh, he, he's a, he's a director. He actually is an actor as well. Um, but he's known probably most likely, and he passed away in 1988. So he's born, you know, kind of thing. So it's not like he made a whole lot of movies, anything recent. The one that most people probably know is his Santa Claus movie from 1959, right? Now, the reason people know that is probably not because they love that Santa Claus movie, uh, but because they've seen the riff tracks and the misty of, um, of, I don't think, I don't think, um, they didn't do it on anything else. I don't think they did it on, um, no, they didn't do that one on Cinematic Titanic right. or the other projects. But yeah. that that Misty episode, that is the Santa Claus one with Mike. Yes. As opposed to the Santa Claus one, which is Santa Claus Conquers the Martians with Joel. Um, or was it a Christmas that almost wasn't with Jonah? Um, yeah, that that's the legendary one of Santa Claus versus Satan. Yes. You know, introducing us to the character of Scratch, who would become a recurring character on later years of, uh, of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, yeah, th- this movie, as a general rule, makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but the Santa Claus movie that he directed, uh, I've actually seen the live, I don't know, did you see it live rift also, Luke? I did not see the live one on that I one. took Kelly. So the best the best way to see that movie is with someone who's never seen it. If you're going to watch a riff track of it, I know Dad doesn't love riff tracks, but I'll be honest, I think Dad would like the riff track to this. I took Kelly, who had never seen the Santa Claus episode of Misty. She'd never seen she not she's not a huge riff track fan, but she understands and likes it. She was crying. She was laughing so hard during the movie when they're ripping the riffing on it. And I know some of people are, some of our listeners don't like that stuff. It's fine. You don't have to like it. The idea though is when you see it, it's like you went to sleep on Christmas Eve, but you ate something that didn't sit well on your stomach or you had a fever yeah. or maybe both. <laughs> um, because what unrolls in that Santa Claus movie, you're like, I, as someone who is straight edge, who doesn't do any drugs, I felt like I might have been high. I'm just saying. (laughs) And then we watched this movie, and I said, wait a minute. This is like as if I went to bed on on Halloween on a sugar high, but then maybe had a fever too. So uh, your writing credits go to, and I wish I was kidding, Alfredo Salazar gets credit for the adaption and story. That's great. Alfredo Salazar has... um, Credits under his name for movies that I've never even heard of, let alone ever seen. There's a it's a demonic clown on the cover of this one that looks scary. Um, well, these I mean these these are, are all Mexican all, movies, uh, Mexican films. So a lot of these. Well, the Bullfighters never... is in English. I got that one. Yeah, I mean there's a, there's a few, you know, and uh, I think he did. Uh, well, he he's also credited as writing um, uh, Attack of the Mayan Mummy. Oh, which okay. is one I've of the uh, one of the Mayan uh, that Attack of the Mayan Mummy is, believe it or not, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, is it was that part of the that wasn't part of the Aztec mummy series. No, no it's separate. But it was very similar. Yeah, it's to not the, too far to off. Put it that way, not yeah. too far from the so, Aztec. Yeah, a lot of a lot of movies again Mexican. I mean, that that's the thing is that 
Uh, actually, I'm looking through it. He is, in fact, credited as writing The Aztec Mummy, The Curse of the Aztec Mummy, and Robot versus The Aztec Mummy. Which is the best Aztec Mummy of all of them, uh, which is hard to believe. Well, well yeah, because it's both, it's, I mean, Robot versus The Aztec Mummy, it's like the first two thirds of it are just recapping the previous two films. Right. You only need to watch that one. Yep. I, I mean, I have and that as trilogy. A kid, watching that on, on the first season of Misty, I felt I had seen the entire Aztec Mummy, um, you know, series. In all fairness, Luke, before we ever saw it on Misty, you yes. and I saw it at Grandma and Grandpa's house yes. um, when we were not allowed to go upstairs because uh, pull the curtain back because my, my aunt and uncle used to smoke and my dad didn't want to smell like smoke. So Cousin Danny came down and we sat and watched that on Channel 5's Saturday movie, yes. um, much to the dis- dismay of Grandpa, who didn't want any part of it. Uh, but we watched it there. And I remember thinking, like, God, what are we watching? Like, even as a little kid, like we were little like maybe four and six kind of thing. We're thinking, what are we looking at here? But it was nuts. It is a different kind of film as well. Um, the other uh, author, story credit here goes to Bram Stoker, I think because they use the name Dracula. That's really probably the only reason yeah. why. Well, you there. know, I mean, I remember, I mean, you know, it, it, it gets dropped a lot. Like famously, you know, um, Francis Ford Coppola, and Bram Stoker's Dracula didn't use any of this. Right. But, you know, there is that whole thing with time travel and the wrestler who's also a scientist in Bram Stoker's original. It, it, just, it never gets used. It's yeah. really I mean, I, I, I applaud the fact that they went back to the source material. Yeah, it's funny how much they leave out. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, for those of you who know how usually things roll on this show, usually I just pull up IMDb and all this info, not IMDb, excuse me, uh, Wikipedia and all this information is there. None of it is. And if you pull up the plot. The plot is uh, two sentences, one sentence, excuse me, one sentence with a comma. One run-on sentence. One insanely long run-on sentence. So I actually wrote my own synopsis. So you should all feel honored because I don't do this often uh, because usually it's just a discussion. And we're going to get to the plot here because there's I have no information about budget. I think $1.87 might be high. I have no idea. It didn't make any money because it didn't air anywhere. It didn't actually play anywhere until the where I got the name here. Um, July 15, 2011, it was played in Guadalajara, Mexico, and it was screened a month later at the Mexican International Film Festival of Horror. That's a lot to say. Uh, but that's about it. It also so um, and the production, of course, we already talked about this kind of stuff. And we'll talk about some of the uh Oh, we'll talk about some other stuff we get there in a minute. So, our movie begins with some of the best scientific minds in Mexico meeting at the home of nuclear physicist Dr. Cesar uh, Spetlavida. I think I'm saying that as best I can. Spetlavida, uh, yeah. His name changes later, which is good, uh, because it's a different per- same person playing a different role. They discover that the, uh, that the doctor is not the real host, but it's actually El Santo. Now you're thinking, but El Santo, like he's there with his mask on? Yes. But he's there in his wrestling trunks? No. He's wearing a sport coat and shirt. Yeah. And he's classy. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't just show up in our underwear to talk to scientists. We're wearing clothes. Yeah. Uh, the, The doctor says that Santo is known for his scientific record. I I don't know how he's known for his scientific record. Um. I mean, maybe his record collection, but I don't know about that. But that's, we'll take the doctor's word. Santo, who is wearing, of course, his silver mask and business suit, 
explains the reason for the meeting as he has created a time machine or as I quote, particularly a time machine, like not, I created a time machine. I've created particularly a time machine. The word particularly there was weird, but I don't, again, it's what we got. I, I love that Santo El Santo. Okay. Love El Santo. I do. I love him. Icon of Mexican wrestling and Mexican cinema. I'm not even, that's not even me being cute or making a joke. You know, when, um, when, when uh, Disney Pixar released the movie Coco, mm-hmm. El Santo has a cameo in it, and it was not done ironically. You know, that, that was, you know, that, that, you know, in the afterlife, El Santo is still, would still be a huge celebrity. He still is to this day a beloved uh, celebrity. He's been dead for quite a while at this point. Yeah. But, you know, they describe him as a scientist and crime fighter. Yep. And at this point, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm down with that. You know, because, I mean, El Santo was essentially a superhero. Yeah. I mean, he was a wrestler who also was fought monsters and gangsters and also had, you know, in his spare time, invented scientific marvels. Yeah. So it's like, I'm totally on board with this. It's like, you know, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, I don't really believe that Tony Stark can do all this. Let me tell you, El Santo was doing all that and more 40 years earlier. Yeah, more than that, 40 years, more than 40 years earlier. Because think about that stuff, like all that. This, I mean, this is '68. He's already been established. He was doing this stuff in the '50s. Yeah. <laughs> um, the scientists start to ask questions. Where Santo reveals that he has not actually tested it yet, but he needs their help testing and documenting his experiments. So he is sure this is a time machine, but has never tested the time machine. The yeah. scientists do not believe him and leave, except for the doctor's daughter Luisa and uh, Perico. Now. Uh, Perico. Yep, I okay. think it's Perico. I think it's Perico. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's hard because it's translated and it's whatever, but I'll be honest. Well, the problem with this is that it is, it is dubbed. Yes. And the dubbing choice it's is, yeah, it's, it's unusual. Okay. El Santo's voice. It <laughs> sounds like El Santo. It is so deep. Yeah. But you know, it's almost like a literal translation. Yes. You know, Spanish being a romance language, sometimes the way you construct sentences, obviously, is different than we do in English. Sure. You know, I, I have to continually remind uh, one of my children who is taking Spanish, like, and where does the adjective go? You know? Yeah. So, adjective goes after in Spanish. But, um, so, so there, there are some turns of phrases that you're like, okay, I see what they're saying. It's just, that's not how an English speaker yes. would necessarily exactly. write that, you know? Exactly. So, but yeah, and, and uh, yeah, so th- these are our main co-stars here. You know, it's uh, 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 Doctor Kerr, and, uh, and and he's the doctor, and he's Luisa's uh, dad. Luisa clearly the love interest. Yeah. Here, except now, Lu- except Luisa yeah. is played by uh, yeah. That? Well, except she has a line in a minute. So t- do the thing, and I'll, I'll tell her about okay. I'll tell about her, and I'll do it for you. Yeah, I was gonna say. So Luisa is played by Noelia Noel, who is actually Argentinian. And appeared in uh, several other films. Um, again, most of these are they're all Spanish language films. But uh, she was in Night of the Bloody Apes, yep. which uh, I've never seen, but I've certainly heard of. And she was yep. also in a film called Carnival of Crime, and then uh, appeared in a, a few other uh, f- uh, films in Mexico into the uh, into the seventies, with one credit into the eighties. Um, yeah, she she looks like she could be El Santo's girlfriend. You know that that is the main kind of. Uh, qualification i think we were looking for here uh she doesn't get asked to do a lot of heavy lifting in the acting department uh but she certainly looks good 
And, uh, you know, she, she and Santo make for a, a pretty on-screen couple, you know, him wearing a mask and, you know, she with her big hair. So it, it works out for me. But it's so funny because she literally says to him, you have never cared for me before. I'm like, yeah. he clearly obviously cares about her, but you're like, she's like, you don't care. So I was like, wait, is she being a, a petulant teen right now? Or just like whatever, a jilted lover? But she, they're clearly not an item, but they clearly are an item. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe it's one. Well, you know, the only thing I could think with that. Well, you go. You, you and, can't. You can't tell much. You miss something till it goes away, right? Jim Cornette. Yeah. How can I miss you if you don't go away? Right. So. Which is a corollary to I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. Exactly. Sort of yeah, but exactly. Uh, you know, the only thing I could really think with that is that this is 1968, 1969. Okay, they're not married. Yeah. So, you know, perhaps it's an you know the idea that okay they're sort of but we're not going to come right out and say it you know from a right, you know right. a moral standpoint right, you know right. uh, uh, and by, by 1969 there'd be no question you could show that in an american film that okay these two people are dating or whatever but maybe in mexico that was a different standard yeah, i don't know and especially with el santo who was you know he never did anything yeah. really i mean he does some things in this movie you kind of like okay sure but uh you know he, he always did the right thing but he, he does was, it in the name the of justice Right. He does it all in the name of justice. So it's in not like, yeah, it, there, there's no heel turn from El Santo here. Except right. maybe from Perico's standpoint, you know, but there's oh, Perico and all Perico, right. Perico, who uh, before they said his name is uh, basically uh, Mexican Jerry Lewis. Yes, he is Mexican Jerry Lewis. That's... <laughs> and, and he, I love he is wearing like a black turtleneck with a giant chain with a dollar sign on it. Yep. That is so awesome. Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, it's a run DMC, saw this movie, and they're like, hey. Yeah, I like that look. <laughs> All right. So Santo says he needs a volunteer to test the new machine, but that it needs to be a young female because of their great physical and mental resilience. Yeah. It needs to be female for, quote, biological reasons. Yep. Yep. So that covers a large mm -hmm. swath of territory, El Santo. So Luisa, of course, she offers to be the guinea pig, but Santo says no because she is not only his girlfriend, but also uh, the surrogate mother to little Paquita. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. They mentioned Paquita's name here. Later on, I forgot her name was Paquita, and I wrote down Lupita, for those of you who understand the Santa Claus reference. No, Lupita, no. Um, that's what happened. I forgot it was Paquita. Uh, either way, it means little whose parents were killed because nothing like a giant downer in the first 10 minutes of the film. Well, you're basically her mom because her parents were like, were brutally killed in a car accident or yeah. whatever. Santo then. But, then uh, but again, that's El Santo, right? Yes. He takes care of, uh, you know, this. He, he cares, obviously, about this girl, too, because he's a good guy and he, yeah. he, he's a white meat baby face. Right. You know? He's not dating Luisa, but he cares about her deeply. And he cares about the kids she's looking after, but he's not he's not in their lives. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to buy here. Other than the fact that El Santo is in all of our lives. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, where am I? Uh, Santo then relents and admits that Luisa is actually the perfect subject. All this time, an evil figure who has been hiding, has been listening, um, who is sporting dark clothes and a mask with what appears to be a fez underneath it. Now... <laughs> It later changes, but at this point, it looks like he has a fez, which I know Luke will appreciate, underneath the hood he's wearing, the mask. Yep. I might yeah, be wrong, it does. but it's it looks a, I mean, like fez it. Is, 
Fez's are cool. You know, yeah. Doctor Who was right about that. But yes, it's I guess I guess this, because maybe it was chilly. So I better grab a hat you know, before I go snooping around, you know. OK, so Louisa dons at this time a silver jumpsuit because it's silver. Oh, my God. I love the jumpsuit. But it's a, I love the jumpsuit. Right. You know, El Santo's jumpsuit technology yes. is light years ahead of ours. That's all I have to say about that. Right. Uh, so he, she dons the silver jumpsuit and gets in front of the, and I quote, time machine, which looks a lot like the opening to Time Tunnel. Yes, was that's exactly that my note. It's like, get Owen <laughs> Allen on the phone. It's the Time Tunnel. But wasn't the Time Tunnel in the 60s, right? Time Tunnel, I think, was right around the same time, time right? A little later. Yeah, but maybe, okay, but it's pretty close. It's not like the Time Tunnel was like 1978 or something like that, 1980. It's got to be close to this time. Anyway, the Time Tunnel debuted, ran for one season from 1966 to 1967. So I think maybe El Santo was stealing from Time Tunnel. I'm not saying, but anyway. James Darren, Robert Colbert and Lee Merriweather, also known as the The, second Catwoman. Yeah, the other the (laughs) other Catwoman. No, no, not that one. The other one. No, not that one. Not not Eartha Kitt. The other one. The other one. (laughs) Uh, So there is Fog. A rotating background, I'm turning pages, flashing lights, and finally a rotating Louisa, which leads Louisa to go back back into the past version of herself. Okay. Now, when you watch the time, she's on a kind of a conveyor belt. There's a lot of smoke. I I, I don't know. I'm not sure what they were going for. I understand that we don't have a whole lot of uh, money involved here, but like, I don't know if anyone, they could have just said, they could have just done flashing lights and we've been okay, but I don't understand all the other stuff, but it's there. So Louisa now goes into a past version of herself. She becomes Mina Harker. I mean, uh, no, she becomes Louisa Solar because she's clearly Mina Harker at this point. Yes, the except, except we're in Mexico. Yes. That is the difference. Yes. <laughs> so, in fact, to the point that there will later be um, statements about how our our uh, a certain character made his way over yes. from Europe yes. to North America just to say okay so this is totally Mexico yeah, I know totally it looks like Europe. Transylvania this is yes. totally Mexico totally Mexico <laughs> um so uh and she is the daughter of Professor Solar Professor Solar um has called for Professor von Roth not Van Helsing slow it down von Roth who's also European um from Europe to help cure his daughter's daughter's worsening anemia. Now, you're saying this sounds awful familiar. Wait, it gets more. Louisa's friend Mara, let that sit in for a minute, yeah. uh, has already has already died from this. So Professor Solar is worried. You're thinking, Jay, this sounds really familiar. Wait, enter the count from next door because he literally lives next door in the dusty castle. Count Alucard, who has a hyphen in the right, who has who has the proper tilde in his place um, of his name when you say it, because it's from Mexico, because it has to have like you know accents and stuff that we don't usually use. Solar and Luisa are quite taken by the count, but Van Roth thinks he might be trouble. After the count uh, and Luisa are out of earshot, Van Roth tells Solar about the legend of vampires. Okay, so I have a period, I have like a cut there, right? Um, you're thinking to yourself, I feel like I've seen this movie. Right. And 
to me, I'm watching this going, I, I, have I seen this movie? And I'm thinking to myself, I couldn't have. It's never been released before. And I don't remember it being in black and white. So I'm thinking to myself going, huh, where have I seen this movie before? And I start thinking to myself going, this is reminding me of horror Dracula. Like a right. lot of horror yeah. Dracula. And later yeah, in this I mean, movie. I, I mean, you know, it, it, that's the thing is that it is a, you know, we, we go from this introduction, which is only a few minutes, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the yeah, scenes yeah. in the modern day yeah. are, are only a few minutes. And then we're thrown directly into a Mexican version of a Hammer horror film. Yep. It, it is the colors, the way it's shot, the costuming, all of it is very much a Hammer horror film just made in Mexico. And it is so bizarre. Yeah. It's it's like when... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like you do, used to do an exercise in school where they would give you, describe a scene and everybody would draw their own version of it. Yeah. That's kind of what this is. Cause yep. it's, it's the same type of story we'd expect from a hammer film, but now it's being made by Mexican filmmakers in, in, in a different, on a different continent. And the outcome in some ways it's, it's similar, but it's so different at yep. the same time. So what this also made me feel like as we were watching this. I'm looking at the, the Count Elicard, and I'm like, why does he look like Count Yorga? Because he looks a lot like Count Yorga. He does look a lot like Count Like Yorga. a lot, a lot. So, But it's not the same guy. Anyway, um, Alucard goes to – no, so yeah, Alucard leaves, and he goes to convert two new vampiresses, which for some reason requires him uh, to have them be completely topless, and then he gropes them. This is obviously yeah. not in the kitty version. So – these two young ladies um, are very healthy young ladies. Well, yeah, I mean, my, my note is vampir- vampiresses. Big hair and big... Uh... I, yes. <laughs> so the thing is, they are very healthy young ladies. This show is bots, bugs, and babes. We have a lot of bees here. There are two big bees that are there. Oh, um, my gosh. They are... I'm, I, folks, you can... Jay, you're being so I'm like a pig. I'm not. I'm being honest with you. When you see it, like I showed Kelly, she goes, holy crap, they have really big. And then she used a different word I don't use on this show because it's family friendly. Well, the the other thing about this is that the I mean, you know, again, th- this whole scene and the next one is even more. in oh, this God. direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll talk about that at the time. But the yeah. thing that also struck me is that you want to you want an idea that this was made in the late 60s. Every one of these girls has an hourglass figure. There's only oh, yeah. one shape allowed for women, apparently, in films in 1968, 1969. And, and oh, that's hang the, on. you know, Luke, hang on one it's second. at 36, 24, 36, yeah. only if she's 5'3", sort right. of situation. You know? I, I'm just saying is, and not that either one of us are complaining, because, um, I mean, and again, I'm, again, I'm knowing my brother forever. I mean, I do like a, uh, you know, a female figure that has form to it kind of thing. I'm not, you know. I, I never, I never was one of the people who was like when the supermodels became like all like those little stickly women with like no features and no nothing. I'm like, I mean, they're, they're, I'm not saying they were not attractive women, but it's like, that's not what I, that's not the kind of when I picture a woman, what I think about. I was going to say, you want to know, you want to know the dirty little secret with that? The, yeah. the re, and, and, and I've seen this time and time again from different articles. Those types of models were yeah. popular because that is what women find attractive in women. That women want to be super thin and suit and all that. That's not necessarily what men found attractive, yeah. but that was what women did. So that's why those were the popular models. And it's like you know when you when you when you start thinking that it's like yeah I can I can see that you know. Well, I'm just saying this. There there is a time when uh, Victoria Silverstand 
was the Playmate of the Year. Um, and I don't remember what year it was. I think it might have been 97 or 98, whatever kind of thing. She was the Playmate of the Year. Blonde, uh, you know, um, Scandinavian country, you know, had, you know, she, she, she wasn't a rail. She had, like, a figure to her, but she was gorgeous. People were like, wow, she looks great. And this is the same time we had had, I mean, this is later than like Pam Anderson and like uh, Jenny McCarthy and things like that. But people are like, still, when, they, when people go back and look at her from that time and she became an actress and stuff later on, they're like, wow, she looks great. Like, she looks great because she just looks, she doesn't look emaciated, which is why, and not to get too far afield, when you go back and look, why was Marilyn Monroe the, like the, considered the sexiest yeah. woman in the world? Sophia Loren, um, Ra- um, Raquel Welch, like these women were not s- s- toothpicks. They they actually yeah. had a figure to them, and it doesn't. I mean, and again, again, people might not love this kind of stuff, but it's the truth. That's the kind. I mean, this discussion actually came up in school. I was in an um, an AP. I was not taking the class. I was sitting there uh, painting. And it's Franco's class, right? And uh, people were talking about, like, uh, some of the girls were talking about women and their figures and stuff. And I said, well, the most beautiful woman in the world. I said, yes, Mr. Wright. He, he might, he'll agree with me. I said, Sophia Loren, Raquel Welch, you know, Marilyn Monroe. He's like, those women were gorgeous. And the girls were like, but they're like, they have like, like they have hips and stuff. And Franco's like, yeah, they look like actual human beings. They don't look like, you know, kind of weird at the time, thigh gap was a big thing, like yeah. to be discussed, which I don't. I'm like, okay, but you look back at those things, like you look at someone like now, like look at Selma Hayek right now. Selma Hayek is by no stretch of imagination a heavy set woman by any stretch, but she's gorgeous, like, and she's like not as young as she used to be and like desperado and whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. But like you look at her, she looks like a, like man. Look how great she looks, and no one's can, thinking can I, like. Can I just can I just make an aside here? Sure. <laughs> As we're recording this, my wife and I just finished watching The Last Dance last night. The, the, totally different context, but if you're a if you were a sports fan at yeah. all in the 1990s, you probably should watch The Last Dance. I don't even like Michael Jordan. He's the owner of my NBA team, and I don't particularly like Michael Jordan. And I was enthralled by this miniseries. But as an aside, Carmen Electra, yeah, who was dating Dennis Rodman back in the 90s, she still looks basically the same. Which is astounding to me because that was like 24 years ago. Carmen Electra is one of those people that just she when when we were like we were in the mid 90s and stuff when she was on um, singled, singled out. out I must she that. replaced Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, now, I mean don't get me wrong, Jenny McCarthy is a very pretty lady. I mean whether you think she's insane, she is or not. Um, especially if you watch Mass Singer the other day when she actually knocked her boob out on stage. It was <laughs> she because she goes let me put my boob away. I mean she's very blunt. Right. Jenny McCarthy is a good looking woman and it's fine. Right. Kind of thing. But Carmen Electra took over. You're like, what? Like <laughs> as much as and, 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 and this is a term Luke has heard before. Right. Jenny McCarthy is gorgeous. Carmen Electra was like liquid sex just poured out in the screen. I, and, I, yeah. I And it's a weird term, but it's a term for those of us who are old enough to know this. It's a 90s term. Right. Yeah. That's what she was. It was like, what? Who is this girl? And then they had like the idea that like that's going on there. And then in the wrestling side of things, we got Sonny, who was like, what? Look at this chick. She looks like a human being. But man, is she smoking hot? And like it just became such a thing. And like you're thinking, God, you're so gross, Jay. No, 
This is you know we're teenage boys. And it's the nineties. It was the nineties. Yeah. Know? And I'm not I'm not saying you know, that was it's not like, that was you know, the market. Excuse, that was yeah. the way it was, mm-hmm. you know. We didn't it wasn't like it is now with the way that we, we mm-hmm. look at necessarily the way that uh, we, we have diversity of, of body figure and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah. it, just, it just struck me as such a 60s thing. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. One of these girls. And the thing is, with these with these vampiresses is we'll see there's a whole gaggle of them. Oh, yeah. OK. So and there are some there are some that are white. There are some that are Latina uh, and, and they all basically have the same figure. That, yeah. That's the thing. It's the like, that must have been. A hell of a day in casting. I'm just saying. Is, like, send me every girl we have. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying, but that's the day when he's like, honey, I'm not making it home for dinner tonight. No, no, it's good. Yeah. Just, just let's, I'm just, I'll eat with the boys. It's good. Cause you knew this yeah. when I got into this business. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Needless to say, so like Luke mentioned, there's now this gaggle of vampresses already behind him. So he turns the two who don't have any tops on and these women get up and they're, they're naked up top, which is fine. All the other women have on some kind of like clothing frock top on. Yeah, it's like, Dracula, a, like a black lacy, right. like not lacy, like a black sheer cloak yeah. sort of thing. Dracula, instead of just taking, rips it off each one of them for no reason and to just push his ring into their neck. I didn't understand all that. Like, I do, I didn't really understand when the vampires were there with no tops on. I'm like, okay, I get that. You're trying to appeal to an audience. Then Dracula gropes them. Okay. And then yeah. he like pushes his ring into their neck. I, I didn't get that. Then I also didn't understand like I don't. Then why he's ripping the tops off the other ones, and it just seems yeah, because it's weird because it's in one sense it's tame, but yeah. in the other sense it's beyond the pale. Because right. the reason I assume that he's pressing the ring into his their neck, yeah, is because they're not they don't show him biting anyone. Well, he Even does. Even though Louisa has the evidence of yeah. the vampire fangs, maybe they couldn't do that effect the way they wanted or, or whatnot. Well, he leans in like he's going to bite them, and they imply it, but like, yeah, it, but they it's never not show shown, it. right? It's, you know, they don't pull away and have two bloody holes. The holes are never bloody, like bloody, bloody. You know, it's, kind of. It's thing. almost if like they couldn't show blood, but right. they could show nudity. nudity. Yeah, which which is you know what though, but that's very European if you think about it, because we've known this for years. Uh, when you look at what gets banned, um, or back in the day, I should say, what get banned overseas compared to here. Here, yeah. we're much more tolerant of blood and violence. Violence, especially. God, we violence are really especially, yeah. violence. So, you, yeah. you can show anything you want to show violence-wise, right? But naked people, uh, a naked woman, you can kind of get away with if it's just the top. Full frontal's a little hard. Full frontal male nudity is like guaranteed to be cut. No, absolutely. Yeah. In Europe, they are less apt to show you the violence and the gore and more apt to show you the naked woman, even if it's full frontal, not always full frontal men, but more nudity is is okay over there. It's just kind of weird how those things worked out, because when we got the movies from um, Italy and stuff like that over here in America, the cuts that were made were always made to the nudity end of things, not the violence. And then when right. our and, movies and, went over, they yeah. cut the violence, not the nudity. And that was the part that was exploitative about a lot of those films in Europe yes, was the exactly. level of, of violence and gore was was seen more as exploitation, yes. not 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 across the board because obviously there no, was exploitation no, no. that involved you know nude exploitation stuff. But 
you know, a lot of it was was that that level of gore here. So it's 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 very it's just an odd mix. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and again, I'm I'm watching this, and I I'm ex- and I'll get but this is goes into the next scene. It's just this kind of I knew this was coming, and I kind of understood this part, but this this film just goes in some odd places. It does. So um, at this point, we have now learned that Santo's invention um, is even better than the, just a time machine. It actually lets him watch all the stuff that's happening even if Louisa is not in the scene. Yeah. He and it allows close-ups. Like yeah. like I don't I'm, I can just imagine the three of them back there and you know like hang on doc I'm 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 dialing it in, you know, kind of like playing with a knob zooming in and out. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, we get basically it's El Santo, the doctor and Perico sitting in the control room watching TV. That yes. that is what they that's do. That's what they for, do like, the for first the first half of this 40 movie. something minutes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so after the ritual, Alucard goes back for Louisa. Um, so this is the most infamous scene in the El Sexo version. This is literally why um, if people, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of nudity in the other previous scene, but this scene right here, this is one Luke's talking about, this yeah. scene is the most infamous scene in the entire film. Um, and maybe one of the reasons why it never was shown anywhere because it never got distributed along with like, I mean, there was like, I think a half dozen or to like 10 Santo movies that this happened to where they shot a European version. This one just never made it there. What we get here is Cinemax level soft core. That's yeah. probably the best way to describe this. This is Cinemax level. It um, is. Yeah. I mean, and, and I said this so, to you. Hang on, hang on one uh, sec, LP. Okay, For those of you who don't understand what I mean, this is another 90s reference. During the 90s, at late at night, I mean, there were, there were shows like uh, Dream On, which kind of showed whatever kind of thing on HBO. But Cinemax was known for showing Cinemax kind of movies after dark. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're either way too old or way too young. So look it up. But that's the yeah. level we're getting here. This is not like Debbie Does Dallas kind of level Porn. This is not porn by any stretch of imagination. This is the soft core kind of stuff you would get on Cinemax. Sorry, yeah, Luke, go on. No, no, you're you're fine. And that that's exactly what I said to you. Mm-hmm. That when I'm reading about this, I'm expecting a Santo movie that's been turned into a nudie cutie. Yep. And that's kind of what we get with the scene with the vampiresses. It's sort of a nudie cutie. The girls are topless. Yeah, he's kind of rubbing on them a little bit, but it's not, you know... It, it's 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 kind of just titillating, right? Exactly. Here, when Alucard attacks Louisa, I mean, it's softcore, mm-hmm. and it's like this is this is way beyond what I was expecting from this. So it really yeah. changes the perception. And I'll say this: I mean, it really maybe not like Alucard, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. For, for attacking her and 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 doing all this, but at the same time, it's like I feel really weird watching this. When El Santo and yes. Perico and the Doctor were watching this on TV, yeah. and it's like, it, it's it's just such a it's it's that 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 disconnect in my mind between you know uh, you know white meat babyface El Santo and then now we have a sexual assault that's on screen and it's soft core, yeah. And you know for for me personally that was that was a bit much and it was like i don't know you know I mean I'll, I I deal with a lot of stuff you know on the vault we watch a lot of hard boiled stuff on the vault yeah. But it's in a different context than we yeah. do here on Bots, Bugs, and Babes. And so that that was, to me, kind of pushing it a bit. I mean, I look at it this way. Um, Dad and I did Maniac, right? 
Right. And Maniac, he has a sexual assault where he's like with the with the the um, the hooker and whatever. But like he winds up just killing her and then cutting her hair, hair, hair cutting her scalp off. That movie, and when you're watching Maniac, at no point you're like, oh, this is a fa-. like it's 100 percent not appropriate for certain audiences. El Santo movies were shown to children and right. that this I know this is not the version shown to kids, but it's like, like who thought this I mean, it's not a rape scene, but it's pretty much tantamount to a rape scene of in, in like the 1980s. And st- so for those who didn't watch 80s horror movies, a rape scene like in Mother's Day and things like that is, you know, really disgusting. It's I mean, it's it's vulgar and disgusting. It's always vulgar and disgusting. But it was put in there as a plot device to allow the women to get their revenge. That has this has kind of that feel. And then we realize that the doctor, Perico and and Santo are watching it. So not yeah. only does it have that rapey, disgusting feel to it, now it's got that voyeur, voyeur I'm watching the rape, whatever, you know, molestation, you know, de- degradation of my daughter. No, like this scene is literally when that happened, because it's because it's she is um, acting the heck out of the scene. Let's say that have the best way to say yeah. that. Right. My wife goes, what are you watching? Because Kelly doesn't judge. She knows I watch. All, I have to watch all kinds of crazy stuff for the vault, for like this podcast, for other podcasts I'll be on. She knows I watch all kinds of movies. But I'm like, oh, my God, look at this. And she goes, what is this? And I said, this is the Santo movie. She goes, the guy in the mask, because that's, that's who Santo is to her, by the way. Yeah. I said, yeah. I go, but he's not in the scene, but he's watching it on TV. She goes, what? She goes, you know what? I don't care. I'm late for work. And literally, yeah. that's where the conversation ended for the day, um, thankfully. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I have, I have to be honest. Yeah. I, mean, I'll be, I mean, when I got to this, I started just scrubbing through it because I was watching on my tablet. Yeah. And I just started scrubbing through this to get to get through it because it's like, OK, I get I get what we're doing from a story standpoint. I don't need to watch this. And I I, I don't you know, I'm, I'm not like, uh, you know, I I'm uh, I'm I'm fans of another another show that I recently guested on. And they, they will on occasion say, yeah, you watch this on one point two five, you right. know, to kind of get through it a little faster. I don't do that. But I did scrub through this this scene because it's like this has gone on long enough. So it, it kind of yeah. reminds me a bit. It, but it's worse in some sense than, you know, um, Frankenstein must be destroyed. Yes. You know, yes. where that one, that one's at least done a little more tastefully mm-hmm. than this. And that one, you know, you could see that nobody wanted to do it. Whereas here, everyone seemed enthusiastic. So it's like, mm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go right. Let's, let's move past this. Let's get the story going. But in, in Frankenstein must be destroyed. Um, Peter Cushing actually was a hundred percent against doing the scene. Originally. All of them were. All of them were. Yeah. And he actually yeah. apologized to the woman and he, she said, well, it's just acting. He goes, I know, but this, this goes against who I am as a man, who I am as a human being. And I'm like, man, that, that right there, when I, when I, when, cause when, I, when you see that scene, it's, it's very like, it doesn't fit well in the movie. It's shot no. well, but it doesn't fit well. And it doesn't sit well with me as a viewer. Um, and that's one of the reasons why Haley hasn't seen Frankenstein must be destroyed yet, because yeah. I don't know if that scene would be okay. She would get upset by that scene by a lot. Yeah. And the you thing know? is, is you can take that scene out and it doesn't change doesn't anything change if Frankenstein must be destroyed doesn't because, because, you know, he attacks the, the, the woman in that. And then, then they're working together in the next scene. Yeah. I, it, uh, it really it, serves it, no point. Serves you really no could point. cut that bit out and it'll just make the movie a, a couple minutes shorter. Yeah. So anyway, the, but like the, as Luke said earlier, this is like we're watching a Hammer version of a movie in Mexico. And I feel like they were like, well, Hammer movies have like Dracula, like, 
you know, whatever he's, whatever they were doing to a woman, there is no scene in any Dra- even, even like Dracula's like 8072 or satanic rites, which were kind of really pushing the envelope. There's no scene like this in any of those films. Yeah. Um, so I mean, but from but a is, standpoint, I'm okay with this, but that, it could have been you know, shot better. Okay. That he's, he's enslaved the other girls in the town and made them his brides. And now he's going after, you know, for lack of a better term, the head girl, right? The, yeah. the main girl in our story. And he's going to break into her bedroom at night and dominate and embrace her. Okay. I'm totally okay with that from a vampire story. It's just turning that into a softcore scene turns me off as a viewer. Right. If you want to see a better version, watch Horror of Dracula, where they do it with a lot exactly. of taste. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, that, I mean, that's Eleven part years of the vampire story, you yeah. know? I mean, that's you have to accept that in the traditional, you know... The, the vampire as the seductive uh, animal, right? So you kind of have to that, – that comes with the territory. I'm okay with that. And and that's where I really thought this was going. I really did not expect it to take the turn that it did. Yeah. Thankfully, they don't have any – I mean, there's a flashback, but thankfully we don't have this scene, uh, like this kind of this kind of action occurring multiple times in this movie. So, right. Anyway, so Van Roth discovers some vampire lore – proving that Louisa is an, is a now the victim of a vampire. Van Roth writes Alucard with the proper tilde on it on a piece mm-hmm. of paper and then hold it to the mirror where the tilde magically flips around the correct way. <laughs> Revealing, dun-dun-dun, Dracula. Yes. Uh, which is also a surprise to Santo and company because they all gasp. What? How is it a surprise to you? He clearly is Dracula, right? And if he's not yeah, I mean, Dracula, point, he's Dracula I, adjacent. He's <laughs> so. Dracula adjacent. It's like, how many guys have been named Alucard and it's really just Dracula, you know? Look, in Monster Squad, it took it took Sean literally a second to figure out that it was Dracula. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, And he's 10. <laughs> you know? Um, all right, where were we? As Van Roth is looking in the mirror, Alucard comes in and surprises him um, to, to, the Van, to make Van Roth re- uh, remark to Alucard's strange lack of reflection, which then Alucard hurls a vase at the mirror. Van Roth, no reaction. Nothing. <laughs> Just no selling the hell out of that thing. No sell. Yep. And it smashes the mirror and, and, and Alucard, oh, Dracula, let's call him Dracula, goes, yeah. I, I, the, the, Mirrors are the uh, the vanity of the weak or something like that. I'm like, you literally just smashed not a small mirror. It's like it's yeah. one thing. Okay, it's one thing when Van Helsing holds the mirror to Dracula in, in back in 31, right in, in Universal's Dracula. He slaps the mirror away from it. it's little. This is like a picture window size mirror. This yeah. is huge. But hey, go big or go home. Pretty much. Uh, Van Health, Van Van Health, so I almost said there. Van Roth then cuts his finger, uh, which makes the Count want the blood, but then uses mistletoe to drive the Count away. I yeah. originally wrote I, down. I had to ask: is is this is this a part of vampiric lore that maybe I just didn't know? I thought it was garlic traditionally, not mistletoe. So garlic or wolfsbane, I would have even bought. I yeah. had bought wolfsbane. Mistletoe? Does mistletoe even have a smell? Like, is it like I mean, a, it must smell like something. I mean, I yeah, know. right. But I'm saying, but does like is mistletoe known for being pungent? 
the whole point of garlic is that that is the pungent smell that drives the the the, uh, the vampire away. Like, does does this smell bad? I don't know what mistletoe even smells like. So all I you know, you know, I I think of Futurama. Yeah. Where instead of a mistletoe, the Santa robot has a tow missile. You tow know, missile, that might right, have been, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> might I have, have been better. I actually have that robot Santa on my shelf. I, I don't own, excuse me, not I have his head because I bought yeah. the whatever Futurama guy came with Santa's head. I had to buy because I wanted the head of the Santa on my shelf. Yeah. I don't you even have know some random member of the Futurama crew somewhere in a box somewhere, right, exactly. I mean, yeah. I have disco stew and things like that because you're from Simpsons, but I yeah, I have the Futurama yeah. just to have the head because the head was worth it. Uh, where were we? Um, oh, Van Roth then reveals to Solar that Dracula brought six coffins with him from Europe, and he makes sure he says from Europe. Yes. Um, and that Van Roth says he will save Luisa's soul. In, uh, but that night, uh, but then Dracula shows up anyway and bites the maid, who is another very attractive woman. Um, thankfully, he uh, is wearing, I mean, he, 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 I don't understand that either. He rips open her top too. Yeah. For no reason. Like, just so you can, open. you can see how you do this in the, the all ages version. Yeah. He is, he just, he bites her like a normal vampire and doesn't rip her top open. Doesn't rip her top open. Um, I, I do love the little bit that they traveled by boat with coffins filled with soil. It's like, yes. again, that's why Bram Stoker gets a credit. Yeah. You know, traveling yeah. by boat with the coffins. It's like, okay, yes, I'm totally on board with that. Yes. That yeah. little detail. I, I appreciate it. Uh, so, um, so basically Van Roth's plan is now not going to work because now the, the maid who is going to stay with her all night is actually under Dracula's control. So yes. Solar and Van Roth decide at sunset because that's the yes. best time to go. Uh, I never understood this. I never understood. Why either. do you go attack the vampire's lair at like four at like five fifteen? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Got a lot going on in the morning, dude. We've got to get, do it after work. Sneak it in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so they go to, to Mara's grave. Now, Mara, remember, is the dead friend who's now been attacking children after giving them candy because we someone watched Horror of Dracula and literally stole all the lines from the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so she they, rolled. She went down to the school and said, "Hey, I got candy and Pokemon cards. You know." And yeah, then, you know. You be careful. You, you, nowadays, you say that you're going to get some forty-year-old men like, "Get out of the way, kids!" You know? Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, um, as hot as the action figure market gets, cool, you know, gets hot and cools off and whatever. Pokemon cards. I have literally seen grown men push children out of the way <laughs> excuse me for pokemon cards i don't I'm, okay anyway sorry they drive a stake through her heart right so now mara is dead well deadish um yeah. she doesn't turn to dust she just lays there dead um and again i feel like we've seen this scene before but i'm just saying anyway yeah. meanwhile dracula goes after louisa and takes her away because remember the now the maid she can't do anything Dracula takes Louisa to his secret lair. Remember, Santo and company are watching all of this. They cut back to them. Oh, where are they going? Oh, like their reaction shots. So I'm assuming they filmed all those reaction shots, like one after the other after the other, and just cut them in. Yes. Well, Dracula, I mean, you got, you got everything set up and lit. You might as well do it all at exactly. once, right? Dracula drops a huge bomb here that his bite 
allows Luisa to fly. <laughs> now at Dracula's hidden hideout, uh, Solar and Van Roth stake Dracula at the 41-minute mark. Okay, so yeah. we're 41 minutes in. I know we're about an hour into this podcast, but we're 40 minutes into this movie, um, and they stake Dracula, and you're like, what? They're killing Dracula. It's because this movie... No, I, I wouldn't say it's as bad as the left the, the turn in the middle of your Hunter from the Future, but there's a turn coming. Wait for it. Well, um, you know, it's it's like it's like when you're watching a soccer match. It's a it's a tale of two halves. You yeah, know? right. Someone <laughs> switched up. Someone went from um like instead of being an elusive boxer, they're going to play in the pressure game now. Uh, shout out Stone Mountain Games, Legends of Boxing, right? Kind of thing like. It, it's kind of funny, like, you're like, huh, this isn't working. I'm going to switch up my stance because mm. that happens. So Solo is fighting left-handed. He is fighting left-handed. <laughs> so as Van Roth is about to stake Louisa right in front of her dad, they say, no, no, let's bring her back. Now, she is wearing a nightgown at the point where they're going to bring her back. And she, her, like, you know, like so they got her chest exposed. They're going to slam this in. Then it cuts to a scene of her jumping on the bed. Yes, I didn't understand. And I again, remember, I don't do any drugs or drink or anything. And I thought, oh, no, maybe I ate something that had gone bad. And I thought, no, no, I haven't eaten anything except some Cheez-It snaps, which are really good, by the way, and very. Oh, my damn Cheez-It snaps. They are. I I ate a whole bag the other day. And trust me, my body didn't like me afterward, but they are really good. That's Um, the only serving size that exists. If you open the bag, just be prepared that you're going to eat the whole thing. The There's problem no, is, though... Oh, I'll put them away and save some for later. No, that's yeah. not happening. The problem is, though, I refuse to buy anything but the family size bag, so I eat the giant bag. That you know, hey, you know what? You know what, though? It's 2021. Yeah. Who's to say how you define family? Right, exactly. Right? Yeah, like, the family. good people at Benton's Cookies, <laughs> apparently, I now count as a family. So. <laughs> or Vin Diesel, everyone's family, so it's all good. Yeah. You know, with family. So that that scene of her on the bed, when they sent her through the time tunnel the first time, she falls onto the bed in slow motion. Yeah. And bounces on the bed. This is that same footage just reversed. Right. But it looks so So now she's wearing like a different outfit and she's bouncing up out of the bed. And it's like, sure. okay, (laughs) Right. I'm willing to buy everything to this point. I'm going to buy this. But they bring her back now. But now she's wearing a gold jumpsuit it's not the same jumpsuit who has two jumpsuits laying around that's what i want to know i will say i mean santo is a wrestler the chances of him having more than one jumpsuit around is well so i put idk right here um so now let me turn the page like louisa just go into the closet and get whatever jumpsuit you want to wear okay thank you (laughs) now you're thinking where could this go from here but wait the man excuse me the man in the black hood i swallowed my tongue the man in the black hood um, is there and Perico sees him, but they say, let him go. You're, you have someone inside your house spying on you. Yes. I get it. Louisa just came back. Someone could go get him. Nope. Let him go. Yeah. The man, the black mask goes and gets his crew together of the most stereotypical <laughs> 1930s gangsters transposed to Mexico <laughs> that have ever existed in a film. Well, Santo, Luisa, and company go in search of Dracula's hiding place, um, but now they're in current day. Yes. So, 
Because my, yeah, because my brain they, hurts. They, they 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 see because they sent her back in time to Mexico. They yeah. know where these tombs are. Yes. So they're gonna go. And I love Santo. I have to find Dracula's treasure because Dracula showed Luisa yes. this mountains of treasure that he yes. has. Yes. I want to get the treasure to help the people in need. Yep. Oh no, because he that's has, how good a guy Santo right. is. He has completely empirical like reasons, but yeah, it's just he, like. He, Okay. He's going to go, I'm going to go find a vampire's treasure from a hundred years ago yeah. to build a children's hospital. Right. And it's like, because I'm El Santo. Yep. And it's like, there's no argument. It's like, yep. damn right, I'm El Santo. I'm going to yeah. do what I want, man. So <laughs> they get there, and instead of taking the shovels and picks they need with them, they leave them in the car just so they can send Perico back to get the shovels and picks. And again... We see the man in the black mask, which Perico keeps telling them is yeah. there, and they keep showing him to us just in case we missed him the first, like, 17 times. It's only two, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's very obvious, and they keep saying, you're crazy, and and Perico is scared, you know, kind of thing. I hate that in movies. Um it, it it didn't really work well for Shaggy in Scooby Doo. I don't love it here, but I'm just saying. See, at least Shag has the indignation aspect to it, yeah, you know. Right. And and like, he's high Shag, as hell. Me and the girls are gonna go investigate the hot tub. You go into the haunted roller disco and see if you can find any clues. Yeah. Find any clues, Fred. Find <laughs> any clues. Man, you're gonna get me killed one of these days, man. Uh where are we here? So now that they're in the secret layer. So now they've gone into the secret layer and then they're in the crypt. Um the masked man and his men attack Santo and lose. <laughs> Santo and Perico punches a couple guys, but they lose. There's what? Half a dozen of them? Like yeah, seven, yeah. eight guys, right? Santo thwarts all of them. Thwarts them all. Just no problem. Yeah. Now, mind you, you're thinking, they're, they're bad guys. Do they have guns? Oh, they do. Do they use the guns? Oh, no. That would, no. Not, be, that would not be honorable to use the guns. Santo, the, the man in the black hood says it repeatedly. Yes. To the point that his head hood's like, boss, let us just bring the guns. Like, no, no guns. Yeah. No guns. It's yeah. like he never we never get quite really an explanation. Yeah. But he's he's very anti firearm for yes. some reason. Yeah, well, you know. If, if, for now. Um <laughs> Santo Santo takes Dracula's medallion. Um uh, but where are we? The medallion where am I? And which has um the location of the treasure on it, but they forget the ring. Yeah. <sighs> okay. This is not a well. This is not a well thought out plan, right? No. Um, as Santo and company return to try to now get the ring, they were again attacked by the man in the black mask and his men, who have the ring. The Santo left the ring behind. These guys go and get the ring. So their their suggestion to how to come up with a solution for this, instead of just, I don't know, shooting Santo and the other people and stealing the stuff, or Santo beating them up because they won't use a gun, is to have a wrestling match where the winner gets both the medallion and the ring. Because, of course. Of course. The cu- couple, of, couple of things about this. First off, when they go back, yeah, um, we talked about this over on, uh, I think, off the air on the vault that I have kind of toyed with the notion of making a podcast about dudes wearing sweaters in movies. El Santo has a fantastic sweater <laughs> at that point. So earmarking this one for, you know, a sweater cast. Um, and then 
this bit was very funny because we talked about robot versus the Aztec mummy. Yes. In the Aztec mummy movies, they use almost the same plot device. Yes. That there are two relics yes. in the mummy's tomb that need to be together. Yeah. So that you can get the whole translation. So it's the same gimmick that he's using as it was with the Aztec mummies. It's like, look, just whatever he's got, loot the entire grave and take all of it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it worked in Egypt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, then we have the training scene. Oh my god, I love this. <laughs> so I am I am of I am an old school wrestling fan where I enjoyed kayfabe and believing stuff, and whatever. Um, and I get the idea that like there he's showing him that you know X is showing him uh, the body slam on Perico over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but did that need to be here? Like, I'm just wondering, like, I know it's there for a laugh, but I don't, I don't know. That's me. It is. I tell you, I legitimately laughed at this of X doing the Bugs Bunny routine. Yes. None of this, none of this, none yeah. of this, you know, as he's repeatedly picking and saying, no, if you want to make sure you drop him like this. And he keeps slamming Perico over and over. I legitimately laughed at this. Yeah, but I'm and saying... then at the very end of the scene, when El Santo comes in and he has to talk to X and X steps on him. Yeah. That, it's like, oh, no, okay, Santo steps got on me him. there, dude. I legitimately was laughing at San- that. Santo steps on him to get out of the room. He walks. Oh, does walk, I yeah, Santo. yeah, but it's like even it's like this is your book. This is your guy. Yeah. You know, right. If there ever was a thing that top guys don't carry their own bags, yeah. Perico and El Santo represent yeah. the top guys don't carry top their guys own don't bags. Carry right? bags. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they so, also don't carry like tools because Perico is always carrying shovel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the man in the black mask has a plan. And the plan is. That he, he made a copy of the ring, which we learn. He's going to take the stake out of Dracula. Um, and we can't see that this is going to fail. Like, he doesn't see this might be a bad idea. No. They're going to no. unstake Dracula. And when Dracula wakes up, he's going to want to go after his ring and medallion. So he'll take care of all of them. And once they have it, then they'll kill Dracula and then take the stuff back. So, um, yeah, I'm just saying, uh, that's going to happen. Anyway, so, okay. So, and I love that he, he tells this to X and, you know, we, we talked about this in some other films we've done where the characters have a broader depth of knowledge than the audience. Yeah. I'll, I'll say, take, make some arrangements for me. Yep. Doesn't say what they are. Just make some. Make some arrangements. And X knows, which means that they've either discussed this previously or yeah, they've done this before. before. So yeah. what happens? Okay, so the idea is now I, – I, I skipped a piece here. Sorry. After the training scene, we have the match. This is Santo versus Atlas. 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 Is the, Atlas is the man in the black mass son. Yes. For all the – for uh, so Atlas's entire offense consists of a lot of punches. Yeah. Yeah, he punches no, he's, him. He's constantly. a Rudo. No, you but, know? But he does nothing but punch the entire first fall, right? For all the body slamming and they did in training, exactly, Santos does exactly zero body slams the entire match. Like, how do you have a three fall, uh, you know, uh, what, I know, uh, contesto, uh, no, apuesta, you know, kind of thing, right? You know, a contest. With, Lucha, you know, Lucha de apuestas, right? got to have three falls, yeah. right? Three falls. Two out of, excuse me, two out of three falls. Yes, two out of three falls. Atlas does nothing but punch, and Santo is really big on the backdrop. 
really big on the backdrop. He likes the backdrop. It's it, it's a good move. You yeah. Know? But zero I mean, body slams. Why did we show a yeah. whole scene of him body slamming up there? No, we. Yeah, we we get Sancho throws a rolling senton off the top rope. Yes, he does do that. Yeah. And no then the one that I I mean I have it I have it with a question mark and two exclamation points. He throws a tope suicida. He does. He threw in a... 1969 we lost our friggin' minds in the 90s when Rey Mysterio did that to Psychosis in ECW. El Santo was doing it 30 years before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like. All that's old is new again, right? You know, kind of thing, yeah. right? You know. Anyway, so after they've now lost the medallion and the ring, they've given up. That's when they go to pull Dracula's stake out of his heart. Now, the little girl, and I have a note here. I put Lupita, but it's not. It's um, what's her name? I forgot her name. That's how I bad. Know, oh, um, it's 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 um, it's Paquita. Uh, Paquita. Paquita. But I have to say this also. Um, El Santo clearly has his shoulders up in the first fall. He does. I mean, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so he never was pinned. It says, you know why? It's so you can always go back and kayfabe it out later. Oh, but kayfabe's dead. Um, anyway, so eh, where am I? Uh, the little coke. So that night, uh, Paquito sneaks into the office and steals the medallion as Dracula's watching her do it. Okay? Because that's not creepy at all. Yeah. Wait. Dracula then somehow breaks into the house without being invited which can't happen. And he's going to get it. Now he goes into the bedroom and this, this scene, this is probably the other creepiest scene in the entire, the entire movie. Yeah. Um, he's staring at the little girl holding the necklace. Who's now magically fallen right back to sleep. And he looks angry that she has the necklace, not angry because maybe she's wearing a cross or angry because maybe there's a giant crucifix there, or she has a mirror, or some mistletoe. But he's kind of like angry that the little kid has the, the cross, which he because he can't accost her, I guess. Yeah. But then he looks over at Louisa, and he's like, eh, it's kind of a mixed bag. Because yeah. now we get the flashback of the super awkward sex rape right. scene, whatever, from the, before. The assault, right. Like, the... I understand you're not supposed to root for the bad guy. We're not supposed to like Dracula. I get it. But like this guy's a perv more than yeah. he's Dracula. Like, oh, right. Anyway. Yeah. And, and, and I do love the very chaste bedroom setup. Yes. That Luisa and, uh, and Paquita yeah. have going on here. Yeah. You know, so, um, where are we here? So, uh, Luisa awakens, but is under Dracula's control and leaves with him. She gets dressed, thank God. She calls her to get dressed. She puts on shoes and the whole nine. Yeah. Santo and company race off to save uh, Luisa, but they get cut off by the bad guys. Oh, my God. And probably the I, worst I love car the chase. the beginning of this yeah. when the, I guess it's the caretaker, comes and wakes El Santo, and we get to see El Santo in his robe. Yes, yes. Still in the mask. Still in the mask, though. But he was sleeping in the mask. Yeah, well, because the mask never that comes off. That or he just threw it on really fast. Yeah. So the cops arrive. Guns a blazing, <laughs> guns and we find out that Doctor Kerr, who's been shot, is or, or he was killed. He's somehow killed. I'm not sure sure how he's killed. During the fight, he takes a bump, but then the yeah. cops fire a bunch of shots off. So I don't know if they shot him. I don't know, folks. At this point here, I to be to, I'm, I'm going to pull the curtain back completely. This this movie is only an hour and 26 minutes. It took me like. I don't know, four and a half hours to watch it. 
I actually d- fell asleep twice during the movie and like, I got to restart and go back to some of it. So um, this scene, when I'm watching it, finally going, OK, did they shoot him? Like, I'm not 100 percent on that part. Sorry yeah. for those of you who are now the illusion's been ruined for you. Um, where are we here? Uh, they, they find that he's the man under the black. Dr. Kerr is the man under the black mask. Meanwhile, Dracula has all the vampires naked and ready to go. Yeah. Right. So in this scene, we have two more bees on display because we're bots, bugs and babes. And a few months ago, Luke and I brought you or like, no, it was, it was November, I think. Right. Yeah. We bought you the BMX, the other B, right? For, the other, for yeah, the, the fourth B. Yeah. Here we have two more bees for you. We have we have four and five. We have boobs and butts. This whole yeah. scene is nothing but these women's breasts and these women's rear ends. And yeah, because because they're they're all facing one way, so we can see their chest. And then he makes them turn yeah. for no reason, only so we can see their rears. Right. And he brought Mara back from the dead. He goes, yeah. "Why not? Because she's been dead for hundreds of years. She's, she's incredibly like, well preserved. She is. She looks amazing for someone who's been dead that long. Dead for a hundred years. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, where are we? Where are the boobs and bob? Okay. Dracula traps Santo and company in a net. Yeah, I'm gonna back I love a movie a with a big net. Where'd that net come from? Oh, he, yeah, the, it's like Bill and Ted. They went back and did it because you have a um, time machine. It, the correct answer would have been the net store. The uh, net but, store. <laughs> the, it's the same place they got the big net from in uh, Godzilla vs. the Thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> probably, probably, maybe in the same, yeah, same manufacturer. All while somehow, so Dracula and, and so Dracula traps them in there. We cut back to Dracula. All the ladies are now dressed. Yes. When did they get dressed? When the net was hitting them? Um, Very quickly. And and and, and this ha- and clearly this is because now El Santo's in this scene. Yes. And there is no nudity. Yes. Any in any scene that El Santo is physically in and yes. interacts with someone. Yes. Yes. I 100 percent agree. Yeah. So um, all the ladies are now dressed, and then we're like, okay, how's this going to ch- change? All of a sudden, an explosion occurs, and the the roof or the, the ceiling or the top of the cave breaks apart, raining sunlight down to flood down on Dracula and all of the women and killing all of them. Yes. Um, and with that, that's how the movie ends. Oh, then X comes in with all the other wrestlers where Santo tells them these were the vampires. They don't believe them. They leave. And that's pretty much how the movie ends. So I'm just going to throw two things out there and Luke will understand what I'm talking about. So you're going to put a hole in the top of a cave because you need sunlight to come through. There's a movie that Luke and I have both watched on Misty where you need to put a hole in the roof of the cave so sunlight hits something. (laughs) Good job, Hercules. You couldn't throw it six inches over. (laughs) Right? So I think you're running out of things to break, Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw this out there to people. Um, cause this, and Luke will get this one too. This is the end of the movie. You notice we staked Dracula at 41 minutes. This podcast now went for 20 minutes past that point, And now we're at the end of this movie. Yeah. They covered, oh, about what? But it's, it's an hour. So it's 80. They covered the same running time. But not much was done here, and it kind of doesn't all make sense. No. So that I mean, a lot of this. Right. A lot of this. I mean, you get what? What would you say? Probably what? Eight to ten minutes of 
you know, uh, El Santo and Atlas wrestling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not it's not like it's cut with other scenes. No. It's just them wrestling. Yeah. And there's no dialogue. Right. There's no commentary. Yeah. So, like, if you like cla- – I mean, that's the thing. If you're a wrestling fan, you're yeah. okay with that. If yeah. you're not a wrestling fan, I'm sure you're very confused. Yes. So, the other, th- the other note I have right here of a star – Remember when Nitro was three hours and they would be <laughs> writing the third hour during the live first hour? Yeah. Why do I feel like they were shooting this movie and writing the end? Or they got yeah. to the part where we go, okay, where's the rest of the script? Um, Be right back. I left it in the other room. And the guy just is yeah. scribbling stuff on a page. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, so what you're saying, it's like it's Santo in the Treasure of Dracula or WCW in 1998, basically. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the worst part is, for those of you who are not wrestling fans, you're like, I don't understand these references. Well, that's tough. But the <laughs> idea, though, is, like, sometimes when you watch a movie and there's, like, a hard left turn in the movie, or right turn, doesn't have to be a left turn, right turn, doesn't matter, right? It, it's, it's just a turn, okay, folks? It's a turn. <laughs> it's Hairpin. a hard right turn. Charles Bronson shows up. Yeah. Um, talking about criminals don't have rights, you know, it gets very right turn in there. <laughs> hey, I, I, there, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to put any political spin on the turn you're making. <laughs> it could be a pirouette for all I care. The idea is what a twist. Um, if to, to quote uh, from the vault. Yeah. Uh, the idea though is like when you have a turn in a movie and things just go like, huh, I'm not sure this is what they had originally planned out. And then you think to yourself, well, what could they have planned? And then you realize, I don't think they had anything planned. No. <laughs> so this is what they got. So you ever you ever watch, and Luke, Luke will know what I'm talking about. You ever watch a really bad, I mean, it doesn't have to be a movie, just something like, like, a real, like a really bad idea for a movie. And you're like, oh, how did that movie get made? And then you think to yourself going, what, what did this beat out? Yeah. Right. I don't know if anything else was beat out by this ending or this ending beat anything else out more like I say it, because I think this is the ending they just came up with on like the spur of the moment. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Why don't we just have this? They blow the cave up. Sounds great. John. Well, that's why you have, you know, he, he, Santo tells X to make arrangements, but doesn't tell us what they are. It could have been anything. Oh my God. Can you imagine I mean, they, the arrangements they, they, were for I mean, like a mariachi band? Can you imagine that? X is yeah. at his house with like a mariachi band and like a guy making like oh like somebody brought homemade flan or yeah, they something. Yeah, flan. They got a whole like spread of food yeah. and He's stuff. He's like he said make arrangements. They, Look at this. They got yeah they they got the they got the football match on the television. Oh, it's God. like what is the problem? Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so the end of the movie. I mean, movie the is thing poor. about this is is that okay? <clears throat> Look, um. I love the color. I love that it's El Santo oh, in sure. color. I always like that. I'm actually as bananas and, and dumb as this story is. I'm kind of okay with that because El Santo is such a likable guy. And I like the, the, the El Santo movies just because they're so earnest. They're yeah. so earnest in their, you know, Santo is the good guy and does the good guy stuff. But if, if this didn't have the nudity, I'd almost be better with it yeah. because it's, yes, it doesn't have the, the first of the biz- simply bizarre aspect of having the, uh, the softcore nudity going on. But just from a pacing standpoint, taking a few minutes out would probably help it. I would almost prefer this as a straight black and white one, just as El Santo time traveling and fighting Count Dracula. 
that when when you add the El Sexo aspect to it, it it goes into this weird middle ground that I'm not really comfortable with. So actually, I was just looking here. So it says um, in scenes, naked actresses do not appear near El Santo, and the only quote unquote sexual behavior in one scene in which Dracula rubs his hands and face against the breast of a woman he intends to turn into a vampire. Um, in spite of this, it's believed that El Santo made a deal with director Cardona so that this uh, this his this work would never come to light and only be distributed uh, Santo and the treasure of Dracula. There is right. pro- supposedly six films, I guess six that actually uh, six that we know of that featured El Santo in them with adult version shot. But again, no nudity, nothing ever occurring, anything the adult parts, quote unquote, never involve Santo. So right. what this reminds me of, remember when Roger Corman, um, uh, well, he didn't, he didn't direct it. I, um, I forgot the woman's name. She directed it. Um, Humanoids from the deep, mm-hmm. read the original and yes. the movie shot and everything. And Corman sees it and he goes, there's gotta be more nudity and more blood. And so he, he added scenes in with way more blood there's the kind of where the, where the women are being not just kind of implied, but like actually like, you know, sexually assaulted by the humanoids from the deep. I, I know that sounds horrible, folks, but humanoids from the deep is actually a really good movie with some scenes that make you supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, but it's really well done. Yeah. Um, but like that stuff was put in much to her chagrin, but that's a producer putting it in after the fact. This was always designed this way to right. be shot as a family friendly movie and then about five minutes or so, roughly, of footage stuck in later. So I agree with you. You could cut all the nudity out of this. Um, you could cut the, the, the scene. The scene could have been tastefully done where he comes in and does like Bela Lugosi where he puts the cape over or whatever. Or I'd have been okay with that. It's just it doesn't seem to the nudity and stuff doesn't seem to add to this movie in the least. And I know we discussed, like you know, before how you know pretty the women were and all that. Like, and I get all those things, but we could have had the same, you know, good-looking women in these roles. They could have been wearing sheer nighties. You even, know, well, yeah, even if they're wearing the cloaks and yeah. stuff. Well, you know that that works as a straight vampire type of story. I mean, how many Hammer films did we get with? You know, um, you know, a uh, a busty young, yeah. uh, you know, starlet who was playing or, a bride you know, of Dracula, you know, Veronica yeah. Carlston, right? Exactly. What yeah. I'm saying is, but even if they were wearing, like, in some of those scenes, like Ingrid Pitt will be wearing, like, very sheer, see-through yeah. kind of. If all the vampresses were wearing that, that could have been the quote-unquote adult version, and it had been like, okay, like I see what's adult about this. You can kind of see her breast. You can kind of see like her body underneath there. But it's more impl- it's tastefully done. Yeah. Not just like, hey, she's wearing a top. Rip. Like, I don't know if we needed I, that, you know. So I agree. I and, agree. I mean, folks, I mean, I know Luke and I kind of, uh, um, you know, kind of took some of the maybe maybe some of you were like, man, that's the best part of this movie. And that's cool. You're welcome to those opinions. Um, the key is we're not trying to take the, the kind of the wind out of the sails about this movie because. It is an El Santo movie. It is pretty nuts. And I do promise you, New Year's Eve movies tend to be a little nuts, right? The problem yes. is, I think we've seen it done better yes. earlier than this film. So it's not like they learned from this and fixed it. They did it better before, and they did it better after. Yeah. So, you know, but be that as it may. 
Um, this movie, to get this movie, there's no other way. Like I said, there's no trailer. There's nothing. The only way to get this film, as far as I know, um, was to buy it uh, on, on Blu-ray or DVD. So, mm-hmm. um, so Treasure of Dracula was um, on on Amazon. It's available both in Blu-ray and in DVD. Now, in all fairness, um, at the time when I bought this, the Blu-ray was like almost $30 and the DVD was $10. Right. There was no way I was dropping $30 on a DVD I've never seen. I don't care if it's a 4K restoration, which it was. I'm like, there's no way. I'm going to just get this movie on DVD for $10. And I sent Luke one, or, or you bought one, whatever, however it worked yeah. out. Right? So right about now when we're recording, it's about $20 on Blu-ray and it's about $18 on DVD. If it was 20 and 18, I'd have bought the, the Blu-ray at 20. Not right. that I wanted to, but I certainly would never have spent anywhere near what they were asking for, for this movie. Right. The, the problem becomes this is that when you start looking at, is this movie worth owning? Is this movie worth like, you know, the money I'm going to spend on it. It really depends on how much El Santo, you know, movies you like. Do you, do you, have you seen none of them? If you've never seen one, go on YouTube and find one and watch it. Yes. Right? Because if you hate that, you're going to hate this. Right. If you're like, I love El Santo. I, I, you know, I, I love all these movies. I love, then you probably already own it. It's just weird. It's not like, it's not like, you know, it's like not like when Dad and I kind of discovered and quote unquote to the air right now, Mike, right? Like um up um uh, upgrade. upgrade or like um uh, Overlord or whatever, like the movies that people kind of passed on. This is different. You either like these kind of movies or you don't like these kind of movies. And the crazy part is, I know I like Santo movies. They're they're nuts. I mean, they're not like the first thing I would pick to put on, but they're kind of nuts and out there. But I enjoy them usually because, I mean, I like Lucha Libre. I kind of like how silly they are. I like how campy they are. But I'm certainly not going to like pull this out and watch this. That right. being said, I can't I can't speak for Luke. I don't know how much he loves Santo movies or not. Some of the Santo uh, and and the Mexican kind of like like these kind of movies. Some of this has to do a lot with. Uh, some of it has to do with, like like we mentioned before, when my cousin, my brother, and I sat and watched at Robert vs. the Aztec Mummy as little kids. But a lot of it comes from Misty. Because they made fun of, or not made fun of, they riffed. I shouldn't say made fun of. That's like calling wrestling fake. It's not fake. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, worked. Right? Yeah, you don't call the ballet fake. Yeah. I mean, I do. I, I do. I purposely go, look at how fake that is. <laughs> it's so fake. You big, you big fat phony. You're He's a big, not even a phony. real swan. Right. He's not even a real swan. Wake up, sheeple. How, how are you not seeing it's a woman, not a swan? <laughs> I hate you. Ah. Anyway, so. I'm going to put this on my YouTube channel. Yeah. I'm going to vlog about this. And I don't care if Daniel Bryan tells me to live a life worth vlogging. I'm going to vlog it now. I'm going to vlog. Anyway. Um, sorry. That's very inside baseball. Um, but what I'm saying is, though, like. So, uh, you know, you, I don't even know where I was going with this. I've lost. My no, I mean, it, it's yeah. the thing. It's, 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 yeah. you know, if you're not, you yeah. know, if, if you're not into, I mean, we know a lot about El Santo because we've watched Robot versus the Aztec Mummy and Samson yes. versus the Vampire yes. Women on Mystery Science Theater 3000, yes. which of the classic series, those were the only two Mexican films they did yeah. to the point that Frank Conniff talks about 
that so Samson versus the Vampire Women was the last episode that he was on. Yeah, it was the end of season six. It was his last episode, and he talks about this in the amazing colossal episode guide that apparently. Um, Robot versus the Aztec Mummy so annoyed and irritated the writing staff that they steadfastly refused to do another Mexican movie for years. Yeah. yeah. So, but but this, this film is in many ways, like I said, it's similar kind of in structure to some of the Aztec Mummy movies. It is. In that it's like, oh, we got to go and we got to go back because we forgot to get right. the other artifact. Right. And it's like, oh, and they, you know, we've got the the hero and the old scientist and the old scientist's daughter and a kid. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it is, and a monster and there's and there's a lot of these just kind of formulaic sort of things. So they were genre films, yeah. genre films on either side of the border were formulaic at this yeah. point. It's just they were, you know, they just hit the formula in Mexico also involved an incredibly charismatic, popular star in El Santo. And that these were the movies. I mean, he was a it's not I don't think it's uh, overstating it to say that. I mean, he was like a living superhero. El yeah. Santo was I mean, the, uh, he was so popular. It's always amusing to me when people complain about baby faces winning. It's like, that's what they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the baby face has to win. That's why yeah. it works. Otherwise, you yeah. wouldn't. I know everyone's like, well, I want the heel to win. Like You, you kind of want the heel to win. But you, at some yeah. point, you need the baby face to win so the story can move on. Otherwise, we just yeah. get stuck in a rut. Well, when you know when you're edgy as a teenager and a twenty-something, you want the heel to win, and then you get to be our age, and like you know, I want I want John Cena to win because he deserves it. He works really hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's what people always say to me. Like, how can you be a John Cena fan? I was like, I've always been a John Cena fan. I said I thought when he was the rapper, it was funny. Um, I like, th- I mean, he outworks everybody. He's always hustling. You know, the whole thing. I hustle loyalty, respect, all that stuff, right? And then people are like, you know, but like, yeah, but like, oh, he's like, he doesn't. He's not a good wrestler. And I was like, if I based the only enjoying wrestling based on good wrestlers. Do you know how many years of my life I've wasted watching poor wrestling? <laughs> like, not everyone's a good wrestler, but I like John Cena because he also does a ton for Make-A-Wish. He does, like, yeah. all these things. People are like, yeah, but that's outside of wrestling. I go, if... if Is like, it, though? Is it? Like, but like I mean, yeah. let's be honest here. Like, is it? It's the idea that, like, if, if you want to have complete kayfabe, that's fine, but you don't want kayfabe. You want me not to like him because he's not a good wrestler. In kayfabe, I'm supposed to root for him because he's the good guy. Like, yeah. so you either have kayfabe or you don't. You can't have it both right. ways. Can't have both ways. Can't have it both ways. You can't only have kayfabe when it makes it convenient for you. Yeah. The key, the key is this. And again, I know we're talking a lot of wrestling. It happens. Um, John Cena well, it's as, also as a Santo movie. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> John Cena as a as a as a, however I've never met the man. But John Cena, at least what we see of John Cena in the public eye, is someone who goes out of his way for kids, goes out of his way for other wrestlers, who has um, is always well-spoken and gracious, and he, he does all the right things, right? He's, he's done, he does more make-a-wishes than any other person ever. He does, he, he does just the stuff with kids alone yeah. makes me love this guy. Like when Daniel Bryan would do the stuff with Connor before Connor passed away and whatever, and Triple H. Like I know people don't like Triple H, but like he does a ton with kids too. Like yeah. if you're willing to do this, I mean, I get it. Well, I mean, even I even it. going back before that, you know, that was the you know we talked to him about WCW. That was the concern that Hulk Hogan had about yeah. turning heel. He says, "What about all the kids I do make a wish for?" Yeah. And Eric Bischoff said, "He's like, look, they'll understand that this is you on TV, but this is the real you." That they're meeting, you know, and, and and that that was that was actually, you know, that that was the real big thing is like if Hulk decided that he couldn't do this for his personal image and what he does outside right. of the ring, 
they had to have a backup plan. Right. And it was not Mabel. No. But, you know, but so it, that, yeah, no, that absolutely. And that, that, all that, that baby face stuff, there's a reason why it works. And it worked even back here. Yeah. In the 60s. And El Santo is in a lot of ways a prototypical baby face, especially for Lucha Libre with his build and his athleticism well, he, and his look. I mean, he, this was, there's a reason why this guy was a beloved hero. Yeah. And, you know, I, so I, I buy into him as a movie star, sure. as a, you know, playing, you know, fighting a guy, playing a guy fighting gangsters and monsters. I got, right. you know, I got no issue with that. Well, think about this is that, is that not only was El Santo like the, of the biggest baby face in all of like Lucha Libre, but El Santo, like every movie he's in, he's, he's always the, he was the face. He always does the right thing. He does whatever, right? Years before the rock and John Cena and, you know, whatever, like became, I mean, let's be honest. Dwayne Johnson is the highest paid actor in Hollywood for movies he does. Yeah. He's the rock for crying out loud. Like everyone remembers, I mean, people like people who never saw him wrestle know he's the rock, right? Yeah. People who aren't wrestling fan know John Cena's a wrestler. They have a place where they can become celebrity and a good guy. And they become likable and they put them in things and you're like, okay, whether you think John Cena is a good actor or not, The Rock's a good actor or not, that's immaterial. Because whether you thought El Santo was a good actor or not, it was immaterial. The key was when you put El Santo name on, a, on the marquee, people yeah. came to see the movie. It's no different than the 80s. Schwarzenegger, Stallone, like Van Damme, that put butts in seats. That That's what it is. Isn't that the whole point of making a movie to have? Now, let me let me back that up a second. Isn't that the point of making a successful movie? Uh, yeah. Is because as as Robert Downey Jr. told us, as not to go too much Iron Man here, there are two types of people in the world: the people who make movies to win awards, and people who make movies make lots of money. My movies make lots of money. They yeah. do. Marvel well, movies you know, make insane we, money. You know. Yeah. Well, we and we and we've talked about this before. You know, we'd like to think of film as either this or that it's either commercial or it's artistic and it's it's not that clean right every film has commercial uh uh, concerns but has artistic concerns too the the balance may change but you know the most you know um you know you you mentioned vin diesel i mean vin diesel uh, notoriously um you know exacting in the way that he way, way his movies are made and that because of his personal artistic vision for movies that involve, you know, cars being pulled through streets with giant magnets and stuff. I mean, it's, right. this is not high art, but he, to him, there's artistry in that. Sure. And the most, the most, you know, uh, obscure art house director, he hopes, he or she hoped that their movie makes enough money that they can make the next one. They still have commercial concerns about their movie. So it, it goes, you know, it, it's both ways. You, yes. Do you want to make a movie to make money if you're a studio? Yes. But at the same time, the artists and the creatives involved with it, most of them are not just trying to phone this in. They're really trying to make a story that's, if not, you know, life changing, entertaining. So, you know, remember when we went and saw Memento, we had to find it. Right. And everyone's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because it's not playing at a big theater. I don't want to go see it. We had to go see it in in um. In Bethel, little the, little, the little art house yeah, little, theater. Little, was it? It's the Little Bethel Theater, wasn't yeah, it's it? Called the, yeah, yeah. And we were in the small theater of the two because the Nicole Kidman movie, whoever whoever owns the Bethel Cinema um, or Bethel Little Bethel Theater has a Nicole Kidman thing. And if her movie, <laughs> she makes a movie, he gets it and plays it on the big screen no matter what. So we went there to see Memento, which at the time had been out for a week or so. But people are kind of – and that movie is outstanding. I mean, just outstanding, blew us away. And then, like, you're like, wow, that movie's really done, 
you know, artistically well, it's shot well, it's got a good story, like it's all these things to it, right? But at the same time, Memento became such a, a hit, you yeah. know, financially, it actually allowed them to make, you know, the other movies that they were going to make. The thing is, it's okay to have your movie have a vision and a, like, what you're going to do with it and still make money. The problem yeah. is some people cannot, cannot allow that to happen in their mind. It is either all art or it's all money. And exactly. as much as I, as I have been very honestly on this show, I have been very honest about I'm not being a fan of Marvel in general. I can appreciate the craftsmanship that goes in, the time, the energy, the like all the work that goes in, the special. I appreciate all that stuff, yeah. whether I like the movie or not. Sometimes has to do with the characters, how they're portrayed, you know, the way it's filmed. That's different. It, and, but it doesn't mean those movies are without any substance at all, because right. let's be honest, yeah. like Winter Soldier, like rips your heart out at times. And you're like, it's a Marvel movie. Why am I getting upset about a Marvel movie? Because it's done well. It, you know, so and yeah, I in mean, all that, fairness, that's, that's, though, you know, in all yeah. fairness, though, to be honest with you, Luke, and I know we dad and I sometimes, you know, we do we do bash on Cleopatra and stuff like that. They were not should. right, but they were not trying to make a bad movie. No, they were trying they, to make the biggest movie of all time. Yeah, you know? <laughs> they ended up making a bad movie. Nobody right. sets out. Right. To they make didn't a do bad it on movie. purpose. If you yeah. set out to make a bad movie, you're trying to make it good. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So anyway, so folks, like I said, this is available on Amazon. If you want to pick it up, um, just understand we have we've you've been forewarned. If you've never seen a Santa movie, go watch one um, online for free. You can see them on YouTube and stuff and. See if it's your cup of tea, because if it's not, I don't think this will be up your alley either. So, um, but uh, I think we're good with this film. I think, Luke, right? Yeah, I think we've kind of absolutely kind of beaten this horse to death. The, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I want to thank my brother, of course, for coming on and being here. Luke, tell people where they can find you um, if they want to hear more of your podcast and stuff. All right. Well, if you enjoyed my uh, spot here on Bots, Bugs, and Babes, you can also check me out on my podcast, with its, which is Earth Destruction Directive, which is a Daikaiju podcast, taking a look at all aspects of Japanese giant monsters. Uh, that is also on Two True Freaks. Anywhere that you found Bots, Bugs, and Babes, you can also find Earth Destruction Directive. And, of course, uh, I co-host with my brother the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror uh, along with uh, the hair metal hero Chris Tyler and two true freaks OG Chris Honeywell, as well as get back to the wrestling. Finally, there's a podcast on the internet about professional wrestling, which is uh, my brother, myself, and the hair metal hero. And again, anywhere you find this show, you can find those shows. So if those sound interesting, please check them out. I'd really appreciate it. And just remind your folks that uh, Earth Structure Directive is an all ages show, just like this show yes. is. Um, the Vault and. Uh, Get back to the wrestling, have um, some naughty words, maybe here and there, probably said by me, because I say a lot of them. Um, a little salty on the language. It is a little salty on the language. Just to give you a heads up, just in case you've never listened to it before, we definitely put, I, I put an explicit tag on those things. But just to let you know, uh, you know, bots, bugs and babes, all ages for everybody. Earth Structure Directive, all ages for everybody. Uh, you know, go check them out. Um, I also want to say, as this is obviously the New Year's Eve episode, as we're wrapping up 2021, because God, 2021 needs to be wrapped up. And I'm not 100% sure that 2022 is going to be that much different. But I can always say this, going into a new year, I know people make their resolutions, whatever. I'm just here to wish everybody a happy and healthy 2022. Um, I want you all to remember that, like, as we've said before, like, 
this is find happiness in what you do. Maybe, maybe you find joy in hearing my dad and I, or Luke and I, or John LeMay and I, or Jonathan Inbody or all the other guests we have on the show. Talk about B movies. Um, and maybe it's, maybe it's, I don't know, playing, uh, you know, uh, a wrestling game, like go fight pow, the official card game and get back to the wrestling, or maybe it's playing uh, dice United or legends of boxing from, um, you know, from, uh, um, Oh, congrats. Just lost the smoky. Uh, no, um, stone mountain uh, games uh you know something like that like one of those things find happiness what you're doing try to make some time to you know decompress because this world as much as crazy as the pandemic was in 2020 2021 still got its craziness going on too yeah. and we know that we understand that please know folks that um we all here at box bugs and babes for my dad who's not obviously not speaking right now with us we all wish you a happy and healthy new year and Hopefully, everyone can find something that brings them some joy and some happiness in what they do. And like I always tell you guys, you know, if you're saying, hey, you know what? You guys talk about I would love you guys. If you have a movie suggestion, shoot, hit us up. I'd love to hear it. Luke, Luke loves getting emails, even if they're my emails that just tell them uh, like movie releases. Right. Kind of thing. My, My emails to Luke's show are very factual. You know, kind of thing like on yeah. this date, this will happen on this date. This will happen, you know, kind of thing. It's not, not, not a lot of pontification or freestyling going on, you know, most of the time I do sometimes, though, but not usually. Um, the idea, though, is that like if you have something you want to see, or you'd like to share with people. We would love to hear from you. I know Luke would love to hear from you as well. Um, if you have something about Santo, write it in. We'll cover it. We'll talk about it because yeah. we do with stuff. So, um, you know, anything, Luke, anything else here? I didn't want to cut you off there. Sorry. No, no, I said, uh, I said, I, I echo those, those sentiments, you know. Uh, what I love about right now, at this time period, is that 2020, 2021, they sound like they could be the names of Italian ripoffs of Mad Max. They do. Or Escape from New York. So it's like, you know, 2020, Contagion, 2021, Lockdown, you know. So it's, let's, let's make 2022 like a romantic comedy and not a, uh, not a post apocalyptic movie. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yeah. So, folks, like I say here, and again, Dad and I will be back in January. Um, we're going to have some rocks falling down as we cover the monolith monsters uh, oh. to, to kick off the air. I, I know Luke enjoys that movie. Um, we're going to do some monolith monsters. I promise you we have a feedback episode coming about Kong 76 because good God, people want to talk about Kong 76 still. Um, but and, and I've already been in contact with, uh, you know, obviously with Luke and John LeMay. And we're going to try to get as many cool guests on and talk about great stuff as we go forward. Um, but I want to thank everyone for all the downloads and the listens because uh, literally this is a labor of love. Uh, Luke and I and all the other podcasters on this network are doing this, you know, in our free time because we love doing this. We love entertaining you. So uh, like we say around here, folks, keep those cards and letters coming and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? 
Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram, find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti, and search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Giaconetti. And you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review, discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?